Well, hello there. My name is HW, and thank you so much for listening to the Tone Junkie Podcast. This is a special episode, episode uh, 40, episode 40, and I'm super excited to have the one, the only, it's Stu G on the podcast, everybody. You've been seeing that we're working with Stu on Instagram, on Facebook, everywhere, and uh, what's up, Stu? Yeah, it's good to be with you, HW. Yeah. I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> well, I am honored. Um, obviously we've had a lot of days in the studio and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like I know a ton about your sound and your rig now, but, um, but not all the videos have dropped or they're dropping right now at the time we're recording this. They haven't dropped yet, but, um, uh, what's, what's new? Well, tell us what's new in the world of Stu Jeep. But actually, before you do that, let me just say today's podcast is sponsored by because we're official now. We have sponsors now yeah. on the Tone Junkie podcast. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, I'll be impressed when they're paying sponsors. But uh, <laughs> no, this, it, it's sponsored by the Tone Junkie Loaded Kemper, available exclusively at British Audio. And uh, rumor has it we're going to go down to British Audio, I think, and check out some Kempers pretty soon. I think soon. we are, yeah. And uh, that'll be fun. What's new in the world of Stoogey? What are you working on? So uh, coming into 2019... Um, the things that I'm excited about are uh, I'm continuing to to play live with Michael W. Smith. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, got the 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 camper profiles coming out. I'm very excited about that. Me too. And um, and continuing with the Beatitudes project. That's really like that's my biggest passion right now. Yeah. Um, um, just seeing that come to uh, completion with the release of the film and. Yeah. You know, we don't know exactly how that's going to happen just yet, but sure. um, you know, we would love it if it was on a Netflix or if it was on a something like that, yeah. Amazon Prime or something. But we're we're just kind of waiting on some conversations there, and um, that would be amazing because then I can release the um, uh, curriculum that I've written and mm-hmm. all, all kinds of stuff like that. So yeah. I'm excited about that, and yeah. um, but always, especially at the beginning of the year. I, I'm always excited about gear for some reason, right. you know, so I'm, I'm kind of having a, a little um, sort through all my stuff right now at home and uh, because I'd really like to, um, like even just the conversation about going down to British Audio and getting mm-hmm. a camper mm-hmm. or whatever, I've got to raise some money for that. So yeah. uh, so I'm just thinking about, you know, what to sell. I'm, I'm just excited about gear yeah. most of the time, yeah. but particularly right now. Well, there's a lot of, there's always a lot of big gear announcements at the beginning of the year with Nam and stuff. Yeah. And uh, we were just talking about neither of us went to Nam, but there's so many cool uh, products that came out. I was showing you that Marshall, the new Marshall head. Yeah. And you were checking out the um, the Fender Acoustasonic, the new one. Yeah. What'd you think? Um, honestly, I mean, I, it was fun to play for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But um, I w- think... Would you use one? You're a guy. I, I don't think I would, yeah, honestly. Yeah. I don't think I would. I, 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 I don't think it looks amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's one thing. You know, it's 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 it looks so awkward. I can't. I still can't tell if I love it or hate it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I I think it's ugly, but also there's something appealing about it. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I the know. the ability to flip between the acoustic and the and the electric stuff. Yeah. I mean that that concept's been around for right years and years. Right, but um, it never quite catches on. No, you know, like some people, I remember the Godin stuff coming out and mm-hmm. uh, that being really popular with some people. And, you know, it's, it's horses for courses, isn't it? Like, um, I think about this with gear a lot is that if you like it, mm-hmm. that's all, like, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Right. You know, so um, because at the end of the day, it's all about if you feel comfortable and happy 
um, if you're feeling great about yourself, you play better. You play better. Yeah. 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 So like, um, I, I'm easily led. You know, I, I I get very distracted by people saying this is amazing. This this, yeah, we this all are bit of gear, you know, yeah. like and what have you. But at the end of the day, I think that um, uh, that that. It's just about what you think sounds great or feels great. What what makes you feel great in that moment when you're either in the studio or on the stage? Right, right. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite piece of gear right now? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay, how about this? Yeah. All time favorite piece of gear, like the piece of gear you can't live without. Uh, I already, I think I know what that yeah, is. Yeah, it's my park. It's your park. I know. It's my, the park. My, my park amplifier. I like that. I think that will always be my favorite. And I think you know that is an idiosyncratic thing. Right, like right. some people might hear that and think it's okay. Yeah. You know, but um, for me, the first time I heard that. Yeah. Um, the way I would explain what it does to me is that it's not generic. Yeah. Um, so um, you know, a lot of amps are amazing amps, and I've I've got a few. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and but you've got a, a couple nice ones. I mean, the yeah. Stu, the Stu G collection <laughs> that we're working on has a lot of nice amps. That's I right. Think. That's but, right. Know, the park is definitely in there. But yes, um, uh, there's something about it that stands out, and it's it's to do with the sort of the non generic uh, nature of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when I when I turn an amp on, you know, there, there's something that goes from here to here mm-hmm. with the yeah, with the good it just amps. gets bigger. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah it's kind of yeah, bigger. More. You probably can't explain it in a in in right. technical language. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You just like what it does. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, in case people are watching this and haven't uh, heard, you know, we're doing the Stoogie collection. Yeah. It's yeah. a collection of IRs, Kemper profiles, uh-huh. Helix patches, yeah. and uh, you know, um, I don't know, whatever, maybe whatever I find in your garage, and we can turn yeah. into a product, right? <laughs> maybe like Valentine's Day cards. Yeah, I thought we I heard. Some, some, <laughs> we could do some Stoogie Valentine's Day cards. I so. thought I heard someone moving around in there <laughs> last night. Now I know who it was. No, um, but um, obviously the park is was the first thing that you and I got together on profile because yeah. that's that's your main amp, yeah. and and probably that's the amp that spans almost all the projects, all the everything. It, it kind of makes an appearance, even if it wasn't here or there. That's right. It's yeah. So I, I um, if, if we're talking about going back over the Delirious stuff, it mm-hmm. wasn't around for the Cutting Edge album mm-hmm. for King of Fools. Or for Mesomorphous, it was kind. Of, it, it appeared at the end of Mesomorphous, but didn't make the album. So mm. because uh, we'd already finished. Yeah, where'd you get it? Have I, I don't know if I've asked you the story. No, Chandler guitars in Cube. Mm. Uh, so is that uh, where the James Bond uh, ladies from? Uh, Cube, right? <laughs> <laughs> Q is uh, K E W, and okay. it's 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 near Richmond in uh, in West London. And uh, there was two brothers, Doug and Charlie Chandler, mm-hmm. and um, they um, they had a, a store called Chandler Guitars. Um, and so I don't know if, if if they're watching this, but Charlie, hey, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> uh, uh, he's got his own place now. Mm-hmm. Charlie's probably one of the finest uh, builders and repairers in uh, in the UK. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, it was Charlie's amp. And uh, he was using it in, uh, you know, doing pub things, and it just got—it was just too loud. Right. And so um, he wanted to sell it, and 
word on the street has it uh, that he's regretted it ever since he sold it. <laughs> um, and I know that from Daniel at the gig rig right, and, right, right. Um, and from uh, an, another friend. So, <laughs> Well, it's a great amp and you don't see a lot of those parks floating around. The vintage parks, you really don't see a ton. Of, maybe it's different in the UK. Maybe there's more floating around, but certainly because of they weren't, uh, there wasn't a ton of them made. Right. Yeah. I mean, there there are a few around. You, you um, if if you check out a website of a store called the Music Locker in the mm-hmm. UK, you you see them on there every now and then. Um, uh, but yeah, you know the the I I believe the history goes that. Jim Marshall, his distribution was taken over by a company called Rose Morris. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, my very first electric guitar was a Rose Morris guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a it was a copy of a Gibson Melody Maker. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so Rose Morris took over the distribution, and I think they kind of narrowed down what they would like make and sell. And so, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that you know, as any sort of creative person that feels boxed in, you've got to break out. And so, right. Jim Marshall. Um, decided to still make amps. He he changed the circuit a little bit and uh, um, wanted to make a fifty watt combo and whatever else. And and so he put his wife's maiden last name on it. Right. Yeah, which, which is, is which is very cool because yeah. his name's Marshall Park. Yeah. 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 And it's, I believe that um, the uh, that he sold them through a shop in Birmingham at first mm-hmm. um, in the UK. Yeah. And um, uh, but yeah, you know. So in the nineties, I think that. Marshall released like a more of a budget thing called Park. Mm. Um, so you don't want those. Right. Uh, right. So you want to either get the original or um, someone bought the Park brand, I think, and then made some other product, including a that. really cool fuzz pedal. Oh, really? Which I don't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the blue Park fuzz pedal mm-hmm. um, is, is very cool. But um, Why don't you have that? You're, you're a big fuzz guy. You've got yeah, a lot of fuzzes. I do have a lot of fuzzes, yeah. and I'm having a little bit of a clear out of fuzzes at the minute. <laughs> so, um, because I find myself going back to what uh, you know, what I discovered at the beginning, which which is the tone bend. I've got a color sound tone bender, mm-hmm. and an um, original one. Uh, no, it's a. Yeah. I bought it in the nineties sure, or sure, sure. okay, eighties yeah. or something. But um, yeah, it's um, uh, and. Uh, that has a like a deep and wide sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not very focused. But what I found with that was, um, even in pop music, you know, you can double track like yeah. a fuzz note yeah, thing yeah, yeah. and get that sort of yeah, uh, get a huge bed underneath a chorus or something. Yeah, like it's really cool. So that's something I've watched you do because um, I was hang- I was the fly on a- on the wall when you were putting down some tracks. Um, for uh for a buddy you know you were really quickly sort of doing some guitar tracks for a demo and huh. i don't know if you remember you were doing that you know at the at the Suze's place oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The Suze's office. yeah um but you were um that was one of the things you did you you had put down several layers and then you went back and you double tracked with the fuzz yeah i think you did a couple things you said here's this pedal or that pedal, and then and then you went back and did it and that 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 track had some you know kind of yeah funny guitar parts going on yeah. Um, but fuzz is something I don't always see used on, uh, on maybe on the Sunday morning crowd. Maybe it's underutilized a bit. 
Yeah, possibly. I mean, I get it. I get why. Yeah. You know, because but you when, keep one on your board. I do all, all yeah. the time. You yeah. know, I, I think, you know, when you when you step on a fuzz and it kind of goes, you know, like yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it probably doesn't feel like it's a uh, faceless guitar player in a Sunday morning band, you know, but... <laughs> Um, <laughs> which is the goal well it? you know we have to be humble don't we you know? <laughs> so, humility and lead guitar playing doesn't really no. fit does it I should we should um, we should maybe that should be like a tagline fuzz the least humble of all the <laughs> of all guitar effects you know maybe that's like the next pedal I do with JHS right right yeah, the, the humble the, pie the... <laughs> humble pie could be a big muff clone you call it the humble pie PI right there you go you can have that for free <laughs> 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 no, but um, <laughs> yeah, humble pie. Yeah, that's really good. So uh, fuzz is um, yeah, I think it's under explored. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, because uh, even if you kind of clean it up a little bit and you and it starts to sort of cut out, you know, that's still a useful sound. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So my my going back to the, my favorite sort of fuzz sounds. Um, so the color sound. And then, honestly, like, uh, I mean, I had a big muff for a while, the soft tech one. Yeah. Um, uh, but the color sound kind of beat that in the mm-hmm. in, in at the time. Um, and then I just discovered the Zvex stuff. Yeah. And so. Um, yeah, you're a big fan of that stuff. Yeah, I yeah. really love the uh, Woolly Mammoth. So we were. Sure. Um, sorry. No, we good. we were um, working with a producer called Charles Wickey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck's wiki and he was from Minneapolis used to work at Paisley Park as an engineer yeah and um, but he designed the circuit for the woolly mammoth um, with, uh, apparently so um, uh, that was we, we were using that on the record mm-hmm. set and it's fantastic fantastic pedal the octane uh, which I, I've never owned but yeah I use Charles's and uh, that is all over glow Um you know, so the fuzzes yeah. on um, uh, investigate and what have mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. Um, and um, and the fuzz factory, um, which I have the the fuzz probe version of that, which has the the copper plate that you yeah, can that adjust you the stab yeah. control, and then uh, do you you can stutter on the fuzz effect? It, it's not a stutter. It's kind of like. Um, I, I mean, I can't explain what it does other than, you know, if you play around with certain fuzzes and you you hold the, um, you're playing around with the tone control mm-hmm, and you can make mm-hmm. it kind of like act like a theremin. Sure. Um, the, 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 you can do it that. It kind of does that a little yeah. bit. It's sort of changing the sort of <laughs> nature of it. Right. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, I think there's probably, it's, fuzz is probably something that's, Maybe on a Sunday morning for the Sunday morning guys using stuff. It's probably very useful for lead stuff. Yeah. Still, and 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 making textures in the guitar. But yeah. you know, in a world of like transparent overdrives, right? It sort of yeah. hits on that that humble. You said a term that let's talk about this faceless guitar player, right? Yeah. Because you're one of the guys running around who is not really faceless with their sound, right? We've talked about this right. a little bit. You know, there's the, um, there's sort of like, you know, maybe some producers like a very generic uh-huh. sound, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, what's that like? I mean, because you've seen, you've seen CCM and worship music and pop music and everything change big time, right? Yeah. In terms of 
what's big, what's popular. Um, but yet you have, you've got a sound all your own. You know what I mean? Right. A, a more, more aggressive, a little more rocking. It is a little more aggressive. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, firstly, like, I need to track back a little bit. I don't mean to be cynical when I say that. Right, right, right. Player, sure, right. Sure. Because, you know, uh, that whole, like being a worship leader, um, which you all are if you're in the band. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, it is about serving yeah, the people. Of so like, you know, so I'm kind of like joking about that right, a little right. bit. But Jesus but, would have played a fun. Right. Uh, well, right. yeah, he would have done. <laughs> he yeah. really would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On his oud. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure that's what's, you know, scared the demons away from Saul when David picked up his harp. <laughs> big, uh, yeah, a big original, uh, yeah. big muff pipe. That that's one, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, uh, you, your sound. I don't know. You know yeah, yeah, it's it, it's um, what I found when I moved to Nashville was that um, in so at the time we're fresh off the career with Delirious and everything that that did in terms of inspire people, which I I still get to this day. People come up and saying thank you for what mm-hmm. what you guys did, and uh, it inspired me to play music or whatever that yeah. is um i mean definitely uh, what you did in delirious informed in and and still informs i think the sound of christian guitar today right you know what i mean yes i i do know what you mean and and i hope that's a i hope that's a good thing you know yeah. but, but it it's very honoring to me when people come up and say that you know so so with that in mind when i came to to nashville sort of like you know, 15 years on or 20 years on from uh, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble or History mm-hmm, Maker, mm-hmm. right? So uh, so people were asking me, producers were excited that I was around and in town and, oh, we want that Stoogie sound right, on right, this right. record, right? right? Now, when I went and did it, um, and this isn't derogatory in any way, but a lot sure. of people were surprised with how in your face it was, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that it wasn't, kind of like so I did have some uh some things said you know a couple of times like but when we turn you down we can still hear you you know or um uh you know it has too much voice Mm -hmm. stuff like that I mean and what what we we look for that as guitar players right right you want to find your spot in the mix no that's you want to cut through right yeah yeah, so it's it's been a really interesting journey actually because the same idea that you have on a Sunday of like you're wanting to sort of serve the people and serve the song and and you know mm-hmm. kind of get out of the way and and lift lift it up you know you want to do that in a studio with a producer right sure. I want to be a working guitar player mm-hmm. and so um, you know if that's not what you need um, then I need to change some things around to make it what you need. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. So over the over the years, it's really interesting uh, for me that my approach has changed when I'm I'm I immediately go into the studio. Yeah. Anyway, um, how how has your approach changed in terms of the gear you use? I'm or just, just cleaning it up after? a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You're playing cleaner than yeah mm-hmm. than you would as a start. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, in Delirious, I never use reverbs, mm-hmm. uh, so all that ambient stuff is all delays. No, nobody uses reverb. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, I can't tell you how many 
So I'm just going to name drop a couple of people. Yeah. So I've talked to, so in, you use some reverb now. I do now, yeah. But I've even noticed as we've sat down, uh, f- for the stuff you play uh, with, with Michael W. Smith, I was surprised that you had a one reverb, which is in the in the Stoogie collection. It'll be on yeah. on the profiles. But we basically copied a couple of your sounds right out of your H nine. Mm. You know, tried to really match them. And the first two that we did were the spring reverb, which was fairly subtle. I mean, it was it's there, but it, it was shorter. Yeah. But you had this long, very long, like eight second long decay. Could still hear it after a while, mm. but it was so low on the, in the ambient mix. one, yeah, 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 mm. on the ambient one. Mm. And usually, when I think of ambient delay, it's big, big yeah. sky, yeah, you know, kind of that yeah. sort of thing, you know, yeah. And um, but then you, when you were playing around it, you had really healthy amounts of delay, yeah. And it was the dark a delay with darker repeats. It was probably a tape emulation uh-huh. or something, yeah. And it was actually just that those repeats, those darker repeats going into that subtle reverb that was yeah. more giving the bed. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, I can, on the on my expression pedals, I can um, I can bring that breath in uh-huh. if I want to. And I do that sometimes. Or I can make the repeats on the delays um, never ending and, and, and go mm-hmm. into that oscillating thing, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. which... Um, so I use stuff like that a lot, where I'm sort of blending those yeah. those things together. But you know, um, um, yeah. So I, I guess in some ways that's quite subtle, but the actual settings aren't very subtle. No, like, not, yeah. You yeah. know, but they're just mixed down maybe yeah. a little bit. Well, they're lo- well. Yeah. I guess what I mean is they're. It was long, but mm. fairly long. The, the, the delay seemed to actually be doing more for yeah. the ambient feel than just the washed out yeah, that's right. verb sort of thing. Yeah, I know from uh, uh, not to not to jam, not to not to name drop, but um, you know, <laughs> uh, James Duke is notorious mm. for having that reverby sound that people go after. Mm. Anybody's always talking about is Boss RV five. Mm. You know what I mean? Simple delay, simple reverb, just yeah. a great sounding sort of thing. I know talking to um, uh, uh, Michael Britt, he's always telling me I never use reverb on the on a, on a track like mm. you know with this or that. Maybe they added in a post or something. Yeah, but, but it's interesting because to me it's like I would think I feel like you almost. Maybe what's when you isolate the tracks and multi tracks or something, it's it's less west than you think. Yeah, you know, and, it's uh, oftentimes it's less gainy than you think too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Why is that? Is it what cuts out? Is it what cuts through the mix? Are some frequencies getting not quite coming up, and so we're hearing it differently? What makes it do that? Um, I always hypothesize. I I really don't. No, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I just mean, notice. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't tell sure. you. Sure, I, I know. don't know. I know. I don't know what that is. I, I just think that. Um, um, uh, I don't know. I have to edit that bit out. I'm kind of stumped <laughs> a bit. No, but. we don't edit here at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's it's an interesting um thing. I think because, and I think it's 
It's one of those things, you know, you said you get taken with gear at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And it's one of those things, you know, Michael Britt was telling me, if, and, um, and you know Michael Britt as yeah. in the profile maker, but, and, and most people know Michael Britt, but he's been playing Lone Star for years and yeah. they've had a ton of big songs, Amazed uh-huh. and everything, yeah. a ton of big pop success and country pop success. But he had this hypothesis. He said to me, you know, it's, it's really only the Sunday morning guys who can do what they're doing and get their tone so dialed in, so nuanced, and care so much about the pedals and the verb because before Sundays, before Sunday morning be- became a popular place to play the guitar, Friday nights were where you played the guitar, right? Yeah. Pubs and clubs. Yeah. But but the environment in a pub and a yeah. club is very unforgiving. The sound no guy subtlety. doesn't care. No yeah. subtlety. Yeah. It's loud. It's in your face. Yeah. People are talking over the music. Yeah. You know, they're there just as much for the beer as they are for the music. Yeah. And then, and I, I did that for a little while. Yeah. I know you did that. Yeah. And my ears are still ringing right. to this day. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then you fast forward and the Sunday morning gig, a song ends and it's silent. Mm. And you have, it's a captive audience. And there's a sound guy who cares. And you yeah. can do things like run in stereo. Mm. And you know what I mean? And there's a whole thing. And it's really only in that environment that you can we can really focus in on the minutia yeah. of these small little subtleties to, to where, you know, it's actually like, oh, I should play the big sky because I mm. like that algorithm. Or no, I like the H9 algorithm better. Yeah. Yeah. But in a Friday night, it's just, yeah, sounds reverby. No, that's or, right. or not at all. Yeah. yeah. That's right, I, and I remember, you know, that um, uh, the the actual delay times didn't matter. Yeah, you know, you weren't <laughs> worried right. about. Um, uh, and there's something to learn from that, I think. Yeah, you know that. Um, how does it feel, rather than you know? And I think that um, you know, loud and and uh, like we think more is more. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we want to have the impression of it feeling louder or something, we we put more gain on it, or mm-hmm. or we think that okay to get that Brian May tone or that um, ACDC tone, we have to have loads of distortion, but but you don't like if you actually isolate that stuff, it's kind of it's just it's louder, mm-hmm. it's louder but um, uh, but cleaner somehow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that that brings the definition yeah um and uh yeah and i think your ears trick you yeah you know i think that um that the the natural compression in your ears and the way that you hear stereo whatever mm-hmm. you know um i think that we're tricked all the time um i remember the first time that i used um attenuators on uh on guitar amps because we were using vintage ribbon mics yeah and so Literally, like you, know, you couldn't like blow the ribbon up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You can't get so, another one. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, uh, um, and I remember listening to my park in the in the room, um, in in the amp room, and thinking, "Oh, that sounds awful," you know. And, Darker. Yeah, and mm. uh, and just like lackluster. Yeah. And um, because it wasn't making my ears compress, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and the the engineer Ch- Charles. Chuck's wiki, he he said, no, he said I promise you, like come come into the control room. So we went in there, turned it up, sounded awesome. Yeah, didn't sound any different. Yeah, you know. So um, so I think our ears trick us. Yeah, a lot when we're 
when we hear a track and we think, oh, that, that's got to be, you know, uh, drive on 10 and, mm-hmm. and what have you, and, it, yeah. and it's not, you know. Yeah, I think sometimes it's, it's a, we might be listening to a tone that's more focused than we realize. Yes. It really can lack bottom end, and it can be very strong in the mid-range. Yes. And, and you're, you're hearing a single note. Yeah. You know, chords sound dirtier than a single note. Yeah, you know, and single note sustains when you have a lot of compression, That's a lot right. of distortion yeah. stuff. It could sound mm. fairly clean. Yeah, one thing I do a lot, um, and I I notice I tend to think of like because I've noticed from, you know, how many guitar players before today's Sunday morning crowd used to be able to go buy multi tracks and isolate a guitar track. Mm. You know, your average fan didn't used to buy Van Halen one the record no. and then isolate Eddie's tone. You know, now we do, can do that, and uh, but. That's where we can overly obsess about stuff. But one thing I notice is I sometimes, I feel like I turn up the gain for live use because it feels right to mm-hmm. me. And I, I turn up the, the delay and the reverb for when it's live. Mm-hmm. But then later I might realize this is, this is pretty wet. And I even go so far as to my Kemper performance that I have dialed in for live, I never touch it at home mm. for fear that I'll add in more bass. I'll yeah. undo the stuff I want live, you know? And um, that's where I, I I think a lot of people have a, a, a hard time discerning between like bedroom tone, what well, sounds great to you, the, you and the guitar when it's by itself, to then in the mix. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you ever run across a, a pedal... Or something that you didn't like, but then you like it when you used it live or when you use it on a track. You know, you find where where it's useful. Um, you know, honestly, the kilt is a great example of that. I mean, huh. I, I I have always liked that, but the original Expandora, you know, um, was incredibly bright to me, especially the way I run my amps because I I love to run my amps quite bright, not mm-hmm. not overly harsh, but yeah, um, that's just the just the thing that I do, and and uh, um. And so, yeah, uh, but what I noticed was that when we were making Mesomorphous and, mm. and, and recording tracks like Heaven or um, Bliss, stuff like that, that it already had that sort of whatever was below 200 hertz was kind of not there right. or, or, or less, less there. And that was um, like ready-made for the track. Right, right. And so, you know, you you yeah, put that yeah. live. It, and and so when we made the kilt with JHS, you know, we put the low cut switch just to emphasize that even more. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, I love the sound of a 4 by 12 cab. I love yeah. the sound of a closed back cab. But it has a th- sort of a thud to it that, that I love feeling. But, um, you know, you don't want... Uh, you don't really want it to be too bottom endy, too sure. subby. Sure. You know, so really that just cuts out the subs. And um, so that's an example of like hearing something that perhaps in the bedroom you wouldn't want, you'd want it to feel fuller. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah. on stage or in the, even in a mix, you're kind of saving the engineer a job. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, I yeah. just say one of the things I noticed when we first started getting together, when we first got into the studio, the first amp we did for this 2G collection was the Park. Mm-hmm. And you brought um, a bunch of your guitars. Um, and I think, I don't know that I saw the Gretsch the first time, but you, you, you brought your Tele, your Strat, and maybe the Duesenberg and a couple oh, other things. Yeah. And um, that was one of the first things I noticed was 
your tone was bright. Mm-hmm. And I immediately recognized it as, this is a guy who knows how a guitar sounds in a track. Mm. You know what I mean? Because because I know I know the difference from... Now, you have done uh, an encyclopedia of, of recorded guitar work in mm. terms of tracks and delirious and everything. I haven't done anywhere near that much. But I noticed the difference between what I have dialed into work live and what I play at home and yeah. then how an isolated guitar track sounds from multi-tracks or something. In yeah. terms of sometimes the brightness and stuff, and I immediately, just you playing on the bridge was very... It was very, it was very rock and roll being in the room with it, but 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 not overly dirty or anything mm. or bright. Um, and you're a very expressive player. That was one of the things I noticed because early on, and I'll, I'll tell this story. We were in the studio just recently, and we were gonna um, profile what was your delirious rig yes. on like the last tour. Yeah. It's the JMP mm-hmm. fifty, mm-hmm. and which is a 76 73. JMP, 73 mm-hmm. JMP, and then the, the pop. The park, mm. uh, which is 70, 76, 76 mm. 74, whatever it is. Um, and we, um, you, you turn them both, you said, let me get this dialed in. And so we had them outside the booth facing us. You, <laughs> I wish you could have seen my face because you were you were facing the amps. You turned them so loud and without hesitating, you just went right into stuff. And it was, it was a, no pun intended, it was, the sound was glorious. I mean, it really was beautiful, right? Uh, now we were in the studio connect, you know, that's part of the, the house in the back of the church property connected to the offices. <laughs> My pastor walked in because he later told me, I didn't realize you had these amps in the studio. He thought they were in, he thought they were in the room right outside his office. <laughs> he thought I had set up in the main like sort of house area and that I thought no one was in the, in the whole you know house that day, but we were actually in the studio built in. And uh, <laughs> he came in, he saw you and just waved at us and left, you know, knew we were doing something. But um, it was beautiful. It was really um, a killer tone. I don't remember where, why I got into that, but... Um, uh, yeah, so, you know... Uh, it was loud it, and it, yes. it, it it sounded like, to me, it, it sounded like the sound I would have expected had I gone to see Delirious in a stadium. Yes. I mean, it was... It was it was monstrously huge. Yes. the tone, you know. Yeah, it was huge, uh, <laughs> uh, um, and and beautiful, as you say. Oh, but that's great. The um, and I don't get to hear that that often right. nowadays, right. you know. But um, I think one of the things is that your live thing develops over time when you're in a band because you know you go in the studio and your rig doesn't matter in the studio. You know, you might just have your ex-Bandora and a DL4 on the mm-hmm. floor, and that's what that particular take is doing, you know, with whatever amp you've got lying around, whether it's Martin's Fender Twin or his Vox AC30 or or my Mesa or my Park or whatever it is, right. and, you, and you're just, all you're thinking about is what is the right song, uh, right part for this song, right sure. sound for this song, and, and you're working with the producer, and it's like, oh, can you just, you know, dog, pull the top end back a little bit, or whatever it is, you know. You're sort of dialing those things in, and then, then you have to translate that live, you know. So it's then when you start to think about, okay, so how do I do this? Um, and um, and and so that's what uh, develops your rig is translating what you've recorded right. I- into a live situation, right? And not just sound wise, part wise too, because if you know, uh, song like. Uh, my soul sings, for instance. 
there's not a chord played in that song on the record. It's all single notes. Mm. And I don't know, I just wanted to like build like a single note guitar orchestra type idea, right? Right. right. And, um, and, um, and so, you know, but you can't do that live. Right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so how do you kind of like make that work? So you play around with the delays a little bit more and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, create your part live. But that informs what you have on your pedal board or, sure. or what your rig sounds. And then next time you go in the studio, you might be using some of that. Mm-hmm. You know, so over the years, it changes into, you know, it's always fluid and always, yeah. and and one thing is always informing what what comes next, you know. So, um, and I think that you know when when you look back to what we did on King of Fools mm-hmm. and the guitar sounds on King of Fools, they're not as bright. They're they're way fuller, mm-hmm. you know. And I was using my one three five ES one three five, which is a fuller sounding guitar, yeah, but it's yeah, got yeah. those it's got those P hundreds on it that. Um, uh, like humbucking P90s so they're not quite as bright as the P90 but sure. they kind of are but yeah. they have a similar tone you know yeah, so yeah. Uh, but they're a little bit fuller at the same time so you know like the song King of Fools or the song All The Way you know that's not as bright as it ended up on something like Glow or something you know but um, and that's just the joy of like the journey Um it's just a it's a progression and a journey and one thing i'd say is that you know some um some people say in joking or sarcastically you know that delirious with a christian u2 or whatever <laughs> whatever that means <laughs> oh it's so cheesy but um some people think u2 is the christian u2 <laughs> well that's 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 the truth but um uh um yeah but you know, people kind of say that Delirious ushered in this era of like U2 worship or Coldplay mm-hmm. worship or whatever mm-hmm. that, whatever stupid phrases people want to use, right? Now, um, just having a dotted eighth delay on your board does not make it U2 worship, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> uh, I can't even believe I'm talking about this. Because it's so no, it's, dumb to me, but no, but, it, but it's stuff people hear. And but stu- yeah. yeah, you know, and uh, but if you, I challenge anyone to go and see the Edge play guitar, and then think that that is what it's like on a Sunday morning. Right, right. It is nothing like right. it. You know, it's right. kind of every, and this is a challenge to everyone out there. Um, it, it every note is thought about. It's intentional. Every part, every sound is intentional. Right. It kind of knocks your face off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so shrill at times. You know, because of yeah. the, the attitude with which it's playing, and and it, and it, and it comes down to that attitude and what what are we trying to say with this song? You know, and it's nothing like anyone on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're. I think you're right. Big time. Um, I and think... I, I, sorry, I, I think that Edge is a genius, and uh, it's been so inspirational. Like, um, as has for me, people like um, Johnny Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah, you're a big radio hugely fan. informative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and people like Graham Coxon from Blur. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about bright guitar. Yeah, like so. His inspiration has always been the sort of punk movement, 
and um, you know you put a telly into a JMP and turn it up that's going to be a bright sound mm-hmm. and it's it, it's beautiful you know yeah. I, I think it's it's um, it's beautiful and, you know, my original inspiration was Brian May mm-hmm. and um, he made you want to play the guitar huh? he totally did make yeah. me want to play guitar yeah I, I was playing drums at the time uh, as a as a you know from when I was 13 years old to when I was 16 or whatever I had a drum kit at home and Love music, but um, it was when I got my first job and I walked into a record store called Parrot Records in the UK, in, in Ipswich. And um, um, I was queen of my favourite band, and so every week I'd go in with my wages and I'd buy like three Queen albums until I'd caught up yeah. with their whole back catalogue. Because I only had cassette tapes of m- what mates had recorded for me. Yeah. You know, with the microphones in front of their... Right. <laughs> record player speakers, right? And um, uh, so got my first job and caught up with their, with Queen's back catalogue, went in one day, and uh, Queen Live Killers had come out, 1978, I think it was, and um, uh, listened to it on headphones in the store. But as soon as that fast version of We Will Rock You came on, like I left that place wanting to be Brian May. Yeah. 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 Went home and asked my dad if I could sell the drum kit and uh, wow. buy a guitar. What did he say? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my um, sister had this old kind of classical, mm-hmm. ch- really cheap classical guitar. And I learned to play, first tune I learned to play was I'm in Love With My Car uh, from that, that album. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, <laughs> Which is the one in the film Bohemian Rhapsody that they really taken the Mickey out of? Yeah, yeah, right. Out of Roger Taylor, right? Have uh, you still have that guitar? No, no, no. I don't have that guitar or or my first electric. Yeah. Um, what was it? It was a, a Rose Morris Avon. It was called, and it was a that was, a, that was the one a replica about. of a uh, like a Gibson Melody Maker. You yeah. know, the sort of double cutaway, solid body with uh, lipstick pickups mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. For, first amp. What'd you have? Um, a little, uh, actually, this is going to be weird, but there used to be a company called JHS. Really? Yes. And it was a JHS 5-watt uh, practice amp. Now, I don't know if that was just a European thing. Yeah, because um, yeah, I never heard of that. I never, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Um, I don't think they're around anymore. Right, you know, right, right. but um, yeah, it was a five watt practice amp. Mm. I think it was solid state, probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, I discovered that it was too loud to sort of put it on at full volume. But I discovered that if I put it at full volume and then put my duvet from my bed yeah. over the top of it yeah. and put it upside down, <laughs> like so the speaker was facing my bed. Yeah, it, I sounded like Boston. In my in my head, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> that's the trick to Boston tone, I think right? Yeah, right there, that and amp. so you know, I'd be there in my bedroom playing more than a feeling, or whatever. <laughs> um, well, you probably were getting it loud and hot enough to get enough gain, and yeah, and the speaker you know, was probably rattling against the bed sheets, right, you know, it was right. like creating that sort of yeah overdriven sort of vibe. I yeah, don't know. but yeah, that was cool, but. Um, First pedal. Uh, my first pedal was a, um, a Vox compressor. Mm. Beca- and this is stupid, but 
I thought that there was this, uh, I can't remember which Queen song it is now, but um, uh, at the end of it, there's like this real sort of, the whole mix goes through this kind of tape flange or something uh-huh. like, or, or like a phaser, kind of mm-hmm. like that. And I said to myself, um, that must be a compressor. Because <laughs> it kind of, it's like compressed. It's like squashed. Kind of it? sounds like, yeah. uh, the, the words kind of sound like <laughs> the sound. And so, uh, yeah, I ended up buying a compressor. And yeah. then of course, it didn't do anything like that. <laughs> right. and, uh, but I kept it. And then, um, and then I had the, uh, uh, because the, the Vox pedals were kind of shaped like that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and and you could um, like put them in a semicircle around yeah, you. Yeah, right. And so I just like one by one, I collected a few of those. Yeah. And I don't have any of them anymore either. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Where are they? In your parents' basement? No. No, <laughs> no I don't. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I must have sold them at some yeah, point. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, all, so favorite piece of gear right now, the park. Mm-hmm. This is a hard one because I've seen your guitar collection. Mm. Favorite guitar. Um, I, I think the one that I wouldn't ever get rid of, yeah, for whatever reason, is my Les Paul Standard, uh, my my Cherry Sunburst one. Yeah, now yeah. it doesn't mean that that's the best guitar I own. Mm-hmm. It just has the best memories. Yeah, for me, you know, I've got a, one that you haven't seen yet. Actually, is a is a gold top. I've got a um, deluxe uh, Les Paul deluxe gold top. Yeah, yeah. mini humbuckers. Mini humbuckers. Yeah, yeah. 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 Late seventies one. It's a it's a mid seventies one, so okay, it's got yeah. the split. Uh, it's got the the split body, um, like from 74, 76. Yeah, they were making these. Norlera, yeah. There was a shortage of wood or something. Yeah, and uh, I think pancake bodies they call right, them, right, something like that. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's one of those, and um, yeah, one of our A and R people at uh, in America got that guitar for me, um, and uh, from Groons, I think. Yeah, years ago, uh-huh. like when we first signed or something like that. Yeah, and so that's the guitar that I had on uh, Mesomorphous and like the song Gravity. If you if you search the the video for Gravity on um, uh, from Mesomorphous yeah, on yeah. YouTube, yeah, then you see that guitar mounted on a car on the front of the car, <laughs> like driving around, you know. <laughs> Just stupid. What gets the most use today? Whether with uh, it, in the studio or with with Michael W. Smith. I know what it is with Michael W. Smith. Yeah. So um, if I was to come to a session that I didn't know what, yeah, I yeah. was going to do. Yeah, guitar wise. You know, I would have um, my Strat with me, mm-hmm. which is an awesome sounding guitar. Um, I'd have the. Uh, I'd, I'd bring my Gretsch Silver Falcon, which has got that big bodied. Yeah. With the XB. Yeah. Um, TV Jones, fully hollow, big thing. Yeah. Um, and I would have either my Duesenberg or my Les Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, that Duesenberg I've got, like the TV, Star TV player, mm-hmm. that is a really awesome guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are really, really popular right now. A lot of people playing those guitars. Yeah. Um, 
that that bridge humbucker it it has something that isn't too fat mm-hmm. isn't too thin it's not too overdriven it's kind of bright it's got a lot of nice pick attack to it yeah yeah that's a great guitar and it matches the, the p90 in the neck well, right you know yeah humbuckery but not not yeah. like too dark or boring. yeah so um that's often a go-to for me and my blue telly i would take that yeah um so probably those f- sort of four or five guitars um i'd take you know um if i knew that it was a certain thing i might take my duo jet my old duo jet um but i don't really take that out very often because it kind of does that one thing you know sure um and then but that's a special guitar it is a special guitar it really yeah. that the thing it does is yeah. you plugged that into the 64 vox yeah and you started playing day tripper and yeah. it was like it was like a time machine it, it sounds it has that it, that yeah. tone you know yeah when you think that you know, it wasn't that actual guitar and the actual amp, but it was the same guitar and the same amp. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's exactly, yeah, exactly that sound. Um, and then, uh, uh, for the last few years, I've had a Reverend RG1. So, there, uh, there's a couple of reasons why I got that. I wanted, like, a super strat type guitar, mm-hmm. like a guitar that would, like, had the, had a proper whammy on it. Yeah. That um, with humbuckers that I could attempt the Dan Huff parts on Michael W. Smith songs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, I, at the same time, I'm actually a big Reeves Gabrels fan. Okay. Uh, from I first discovered him in Tin Machine with David Bowie back mm-hmm. in the '80s, and uh, um, and then you know I went to see when I moved to Nashville. He's from Nashville, or was here anyway, and, and they played at a... He, he used to do a regular spot at something called the Family Wash over in East Nashville. And uh, so um, I went, you know, used to go and see him there and what have you, and, you know, went to see him with The Cure. Right. Uh, so, yeah, really amazing guitar player, like very creative. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so I saw these reverends around... Um, and and saw that he had a signature one, and I, I got one. Yeah, I need to. There's a f- couple of honourable mentions in terms of guitars. Yeah, yeah. One is that um, Casey at Veritas. Yeah, is building some of the best guitars I've ever felt. Yeah, you have yeah. a Jaguar, right? I do. Like yeah, Jaguar so I S. have his. Um, I have his offset one. So right. he made this for me, um, and uh, it's got a Jaguar pickup in the bridge and then two strap pickups mm-hmm. and um yeah so that's that comes out on the road with me with michael mm. um as well and and it is um you know it's not like that big rock sound but the sort of more ambient and sort of stratish textures sure um like are, a johnny marr type yeah yes yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah it's it's incredible incredible guitar and the, then um i've got a um um a bluesman vintage um, jazz master type guitar as well, and uh, and that also is a is a beautiful guitar to carry around. So those I tour with those uh, like the Reverend, the um, uh, the Veritas, and the and the bluesman vintage. They're out on the road with me with Michael mm-hmm. a lot because um, 
it kind of suits the thing. Sure. You know? Yeah. yeah it's that thing. Mm. Let's talk about the Kemper. Yeah. Because you, um, wait, before we do that. Yeah. Um, l- l- give us a pedal recommendation. Like you've played a good, you know, because I've, I've seen on your board, just since I've known you, I've seen a couple things move around. I yeah. see things on and off the pedal. You're constantly moving trying new stuff yes and you've got a you know a collection of yeah of pedals and stuff um but i notice you you know you've got some older stuff that maybe isn't the flavor of the week but yeah. maybe it was and it's still working like your full drive too yeah you know the big part of your sound and yeah what you're using right now uh-huh. and um i mean they've come out with a million versions of that pedal and yes you know it Maybe the train has moved on to more transparent, more boutique. Yeah. Even, you know, and they were an early boutique kind of company full time. Yeah. They still make incredible stuff. But uh, give us a recommendation. Yeah. What's a pedal you don't hear enough about that you're really that you're into, or that oh, you've liked over the years? Yeah. So, um, I mean, something that I, that is an amazing pedal right now is the Roosevelt Drive, the third power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pedal. Yeah. Um, yeah, that um, and and that kind of comes on and off my board, mm-hmm. depending on what I'm feeling uh, at, at any given time. But that is probably one of the most versatile overdrives uh, that there is out there right now. So huge uh, fan of that. Yeah, and and of course, you know, um, Delana made my uh, sort of uh, signature amp, mm-hmm. which isn't available. Yeah. Because the tone that the kitchen sink actually covers it, mm. so they're they're new they're new amp like go and get that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, it was called the Majestic Forty yeah. and was really kind of um, it's not an exact copy because it didn't work of the park but it, it it it's taken the 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 knowledge of Delana and amp building and the the feel of the park and yeah you know created an amp so that. So props to, to her for that. Um, but uh, the full drive is definitely um, something that I keep coming back to time and time again. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because I've just been so used to it over the years, you know, the from the opening sort of tones of deeper, mm-hmm. you know, and then for the solo just stomping on the boost. And I know it's not really a boost, yeah, but it just kind of like saturates more or gets louder or whatever. Right, right. I don't know. Yeah, but I wouldn't ever change that or mod that because it's just a sound that's so familiar to me, and and because I run my amp so bright, um, you know that that uh, that it just really works. Right. Yeah. Um. You know. I've, Compression is something I got into in the last couple of years of Delirious, the last few years, um, and I was using the Barbatone press. The reason I wasn't uh, using like a Dynacomp or something was because um, I, I I would be changing guitars so much between sure. the Les Paul or yeah. like humbuckers and single cores, and um, you know back then the the difference was just too great like there was no blend knobs on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on compressors and so you you know so when the barber tone press came out i love having a compressor because i just love i i, I mean it was interesting to, to when we were playing around with that actually how much my compressor was compressing right. to my ears it's not doing that you know yeah. it's just kind of holding things 
holding things kind of together and and having the uh, the blend knob on the attack you know it doesn't matter whether I'm using a, a humbucker or a single coil I, right. I just love those uh, those things yeah those blend knobs have become all the rage they seem to be on all the compressors now and they really from a player standpoint it allows you to feel the guitar yeah but still get that compressed tone mm. I noticed because you use the uh, right now you're using the JHS yeah um, pulp and peel yeah the version 4 yeah, yeah. version 4 and mm-hmm. um yeah, we were trying to get a similar level of compression uh, using the Kemper compressor. Yeah. And it was interesting, like you were saying, dialing that in, because you, you're you're reaching down and, you know, making an adjustment depending on the guitar, you yeah. know? And um, one of the things I noticed with the, with your Gretsch, with your, uh, with your Jet and the Vox, it was like the compressor is, was a really important part of that sound. Yeah. And it is an important part of that, that vintage yeah sound that you would expect from a Dynasonic on the bridge of a Gretsch into a you know old AC30. It's, it's, it's not just the amp compressing, but having a compressor in front that just sort of evens out yeah. all the peaks of that. That's where it gives you that really bright, chimey, open yes. Yes. thing. But I, I still want that, it to have dynamics when i'm playing so like that's why i i feel like i'm only just kind of tickling it a little bit you know but um anyway so yeah so um yeah so any notable mentions i mean i still think the dl4 is is one of the best delays Mm -hmm. out there if Um, if u2 is responsible for uh uh anything today and uh and if delirious informs you know christian music definitely the dl4 is the grandfather to everything we have today because that was that really changed it it feels like for everybody yeah that was the first one where it was like you could cover tape and a deluxe memory band and the and you could tap it in yeah and you could have two delays on you know that wasn't like a rack unit or really expensive it's still a classic for sure yeah Absolutely, and and talking about the memory man, the memory man. I mean, what a, that is such a brilliant uh, delay. I've still got a deluxe that um, I have in the studio. Um, I would probably like have that on my board still if space wasn't an issue. I you had know. two on my board for a while, yeah, and then I added a Boss DM two, and then at some point I said, "This is ridiculous. This literally is an entire board for three delays." I know. <laughs> But they're beautiful. I had a, uh, um, for a while I was touring the world with a high watt tape echo on my board. Which <laughs> is a glutton for punishment, right? How many, how many nights a week did it not work? Yeah, no, none. <laughs> I like, oh, it worked every night. Oh, I never had anything, like the only thing you had to watch out was if, if uh, you know, dips switches got moved around on it. But um, yeah, so, I mean, everything I have, I use, hmm. you know, so, um, which is why I'm kind of coming this year with a little bit like, if I'm not using something, then I don't need it. Yeah. You know. It's interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's probably a good, uh, it's probably a good, it's very uh, KonMari. Are you familiar? No. KonMari is this, um, this Japanese lady on Netflix who has this way of folding your towels, folding your clothes, okay. and it's exploded. My okay. wife watched one episode, and every drawer in my house was redone. 
And it's all about you making sure you can visually see everything that you have available and anything you're not using, you know, thanking it for its usefulness and letting it go on and be part of someone else's uh, kind of journey. It's a little bit Eastern, but it's very practical and it, and it fits, I think, a modern aesthetic no, that's that is beautiful. popular. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, hey, thanks, Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about... Um, Let's talk about the Kemper. Yeah. You good on time? Yeah.